All right, everybody, good day to you, and welcome to episode 141 of the Sports Wagon Podcast, the Monday edition. Hope you're having a great Monday. Hope your week's off to a good start. It's a typical Monday for me. I don't work today, record the podcast. Beautiful day outside. I might go hit some golf balls. So you know where to hit me up, Instagram, Twitter, it's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Let's start with the night in the association, the NBA. Two games of note last night, Celtics over Nuggets, 124-104. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, both with 30.6 rebounds apiece. Nikola Jokic led Denver with 23 points. Raptors, Toronto over the 76ers, 93-88. Toronto wins their sixth straight road game. Pascal Siakam, 26 points, 10 rebounds. Joel Embiid, 21 points, 13 rebounds for Philadelphia. Now, here's a couple key things from last night's game. Number one, James Harden. So, in clutch time, so with the last uh, two minutes and 25 seconds of the game, James Harden went scoreless. So, part of that was the uh, the emphasis that Toronto put on him defensively. So, again, he was just not hitting shots. He couldn't hit free throws. Um, and then towards the end of the game, with seconds remaining, uh, Joel Embiid coughs, coughs the ball up, gives up a t- costly turnover to seal the victory for Toronto. So, I, you know, Philly's currently third in the East. Um, I, it, it's one of those things I'm trying to think, like, what's kind of the issue here? I mean, is it chemistry? Is it system? I, you know, it's for me, I'm not really 100% sure. I'm not really... Uh, I can't really put my finger on it. It could be a combination of both things. But, I mean, right now, there's still a little bit of time. Like I said, it's now March. And, I mean, this month is, I mean, we blink and the month is over. We are 21 days into this month in January, February, March. So we got 10 more days left in this month. And once April hits, it's really going to get down to crunch time thinking about trying to, you know, win the games necessary to put yourself in, you know, to keep yourself in for the Sixers in this case, keep themselves in a really good position for the playoffs. But once that play, once the playoff time hits, we know that the the play has to be stellar. I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to win every game. Now you can, I mean, but it's difficult uh, to win every game uh, in a playoff situation. I mean, you definitely got to protect home, to go on a road and steal a win or two is always important in these playoff series. But I mean, Philly has to kind of really, you know, get all this figured out. I mean, you know, every game that they lose, as we know, will cost them something as far as that critical position that they will need um, to, you know, get in the playoffs. But again, third position, um, not bad. I'm sure they would love to be uh, higher than that. But again, with, the acquisition of James Harden. I know folks are hoping, you know, hoping to see more um, in the coming games um, uh, as the season progresses and moves towards the end. Here, um, let's move over to 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 the NFL. So, few uh, news with some more news from free agency. So, we'll start with the Rams. The Rams extend the contract of Matthew Stafford. So he gets a four-year, $160 million deal. $135 million of that is guaranteed. So the thought here is that with Stafford getting this money, this is going to be the end of his career. So his the idea here is for him to finish his career in Los Angeles. And, of course, 
if you win a championship, what's the first thing everyone wants to talk about? And of course, the first thing that one of the things that the Rams talked about during their victory parade, we trying to run it back. And hey, they've got the tools to do it. Now, as we know, Von Miller, he left to go to Buffalo. He felt like that was a situation that he couldn't pass up. But nevertheless, with most with just about all the pieces still in place, you have to uh, imagine, I believe the we talked about um, the Super Bowl odds a few shows ago. And I believe, you know, the Rams were like top three or something in the best odds to to win the Super Bowl to repeat. So, I mean, you know, all the pieces are there. You got your quarterback. I mean, I think OBJ might not. I'm not saying he's a holdout, but I think OBJ may be. Uh, I think the Rams still kind of did talk some a little money with him about, you know, his contract and, and whatever, whatever. But again, having everybody in the fold is definitely going to be important uh, towards that goal of running it back and winning another Super Bowl going back to back, which is pretty difficult to do. I mean, it seems as if we are in the era of, you know, going back to back is very difficult and we can attribute that to, you know, the things that we're talking about now, this free agency situation that, you know, players are constantly moving, you know, you get that one player, you know, like it's rare that when um, a, you know, like a Tom Brady, you know, he stayed in New England all those years, then he decides, all right, I'm out, I'm going to Tampa Bay. But most of the time, you don't get a lot of really, really super great players that stick around. But here we go. Uh, we're hoping that, you know, all the pieces will not only stay in place, which they are with Los Angeles, but we're hoping everybody stays healthy and they have the opportunity to repeat. The Cleveland Browns win the Deshaun Watson uh, sweepstakes. So Deshaun Watson will get a $230 million contract over five years with a $1 million base salary in his first year. Um, um, So apparently the way this worked out is that the Browns said that they did their homework, that once there were no criminal charges filed against uh, Deshaun Watson, they went ahead and made the deal. But as you remember, uh, civil proceedings are still pending. With that, here's something to note. The NFL still could suspend him per the code of conduct policy. So right now, if the NFL were to suspend him, you know, when the civil matters begin to pop up, because we're talking about 22, uh, was it 22 lawsuits against him? That is a minimum of six games, minimum. So again, it could be six, it could be more. So it all depends. Um, Cleveland is taking a big risk here, a very big risk. And they've had a history of taking these types of risks. So do you remember the names Malik McDowell and Kareem Hunt? So taking chances on guys who have or who have had these really, you know, these these back these bad backgrounds. They've done some heinous things and the team acquires them. And so again, it, this really isn't a Cleveland Browns problem. I mean, this is a isolated issue. From, uh, okay, here's one person, here's another controversial figure, here's somebody who has uh, gotten away or gotten away from criminal charges or criminal charges will not be filed, but there's still civil lawsuits that will happen. But this is, again, kind of a NFL problem. And we've talked about this before that, you know, you've got teams that will go out, go out on a limb 
to pick up players that are in trouble or have had trouble. And, you know, some people will say, well, hey, they're getting a second chance. But if you think about the things that the NFL allows to happen, so let's talk about this, that, you know, things like this happen, sexual assault, domestic abuse, um, just really bad behavior. But here we go. If somebody protests, um, you know, improper treatment of black and brown people by police, you know where I'm going with this. So, so there, so there's your inequity here. So, the freedom, the freedom to say and do what you feel is important. That, that's no bueno in the NFL. But we can let all these other things go: domestic abuse, sexual assault, behaving badly. All those things are okay. So again, yet another reason why the NFL is hella problematic. Um, let's go over real quick to NASCAR. So William Byron wins the Cup Series Atlanta race yesterday. So the track. So if you remember, we talked about the Atlanta uh, Speedway in our NASCAR preview with my man Drew. Shout out to Drew. Um, the track was repaved, reconfigured, and they made the banking steeper. So what did you get yesterday? You got really fast speedway racing on a short track. Um, we also got a longer race because there were not about nine cautions yesterday and 46 lead changes. So everybody was so basically imagine, if you will, all the track for those of you who live in the DMV, imagine 495 traffic at 330. But they're all speeding <laughs> together at, you know, 200 and some odd miles an hour. I meant perhaps about 190, somewhere in that range. I forget the numbers. But everybody's bunched up and trying to, you know, maneuver and, and catch drafts and make all these lead changes. And, of course, uh, that led to uh, that long race due to all the caution flags. So with that win, uh, William Byron is now fourth in points at 150 chase elliott leads the points at 171 second is joy logano with 164 chase briscoe third with 156 and kurt bush fifth with 148 points over to the world of college football hey that's something we haven't talked about in a while uh florida quarterback emory jones enters the transfer portal so Jones is a redshirt senior. He started 12 games last season, 65% completion rate, 19 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. When he transfers, he'll have two years of eligibility remaining. So per the rule, he can transfer, play right away. Now, here's the thing. We all know about the coaching change at Florida. So Dan Mullen was fired. Billy Napier takes over. And initially, so his initial plan when Napier took over, he had planned to transfer. Napier met with them. He said, look, why don't you stick around, go through spring practice with us, and see how you feel? I don't think uh, Emory Jones had even considered changing his mind. So it seems as if he went through spring ball. He stated on a couple of occasions prior, uh, when the time Napier was hired, even through spring ball, he had been publicly saying he's going to transfer. He has entered the transfer portal officially. It seems as if a number of schools are following him on social media. So... Schools like Rice, Arkansas State, Akron, North Texas. But the most interesting school that's following him is Arizona State. Per, you know, the 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 uh, 
the metrics out there, Arizona State has the thinnest quarterback room in the country. So keep your eye out. Arizona State could be where he lands, and actually that would help them tremendously. Uh, he has some experience, as you see. You know, he started uh, 12 games last season, as we said. And so that, I think, will be beneficial to the Sun Devils and their success. As we know, um, Herm Edwards, um, you know, was retained. Uh, so there was kind of some questions whether he's going to be around considering the team hasn't done terribly, but I don't think they've achieved at the level that they thought they were going to achieve. But of course, there's the NCAA investigation, which I think is, I think, still ongoing, or there's some que- there's some questions about some of the things that have been happening within the program, but that would definitely be a big lift to them. So now the question is, if they bring Emory Jones into the fold, then now what other pieces do they put around him? How do they just get this team shored up to kind of make a run and be competitive uh, in the uh, in the Pac-12? Um, right now, I mean, I don't know what year two is looking like in Arizona, but as we know, uh, Arizona, new head coach, didn't really have a great season last year. Um, I, the year before, uh, they got totally blitzed in the Territorial Cup game. They lost it again this year. So now, you know, is it still going to be pretty one-sided between Arizona State, Arizona, and football? We'll see. But again, the big goal here for that program is they want to um, improve their lot and do much better and make some noise. I mean, make more noise because they made they've made a little bit of noise in the Pac-12. Remember, I think last season they had they had a big win. Well, no, they were leading USC, and I and I said Arizona State was going to win that game, and damn if USC didn't come back and win that game. It was a very good game, but it's those kinds of things having these big leads. And then all of a sudden, just, you know, and really with that game, it was kind of like turnovers. And just for some reason, uh, USC just found ways to just, you know, just scheme against that defense a little bit differently that allowed them to score. I mean, they were marching down the field field at will. So these are the kinds of things that Arizona State, I think, has to, you know, improve upon in order to kind of make that next leap to kind of get back into the conversation in the conference. But again, you got, what are we talking? You got Oregon, UCLA's on the come up, um, USC, come on, Lincoln Riley's there, and all the talent that's flooded to USC now. I mean, right now, on paper, USC's looking like the team to beat. Um, um, who else? Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Washington, Washington State's going to do. So again, a lot of movement in the Pac-12 but we'll see how it goes as spring ball has kicked off. So teams are kind of having their spring games coming up. We'll see how the teams are looking and how the depth charts will look going into uh, summer and then finally kicking off uh, late summer into the fall. From the NHL, we say rest in peace to Jean Potvin. He was a defenseman for the New York Islanders. He died at the age of 72. He played for the Islanders from 72 to 73, 77 to 78, 79 to 80, and the 1980 and 81 season. During those two seasons, the latter, he won two Stanley Cups with his brother Dennis by his side. So I believe they were they were a you know a dy- dynamic duo. 
Potvin played 11 years. He scored 63 goals, 224 assists for 287 points, and he played in 613 games. So in addition to playing for the Islanders in those 11 seasons, he played for the LA Kings, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Minnesota then North Stars, and the Cleveland Barons. So rest in peace. So, uh, my condolences to the Potvin family, to the Islander family. So this is the second member of that great uh, Islander dynasty that they lost. They lost Clark Gillis back in uh, Ford Clark, Clark Gillis back in January. So again, uh, you know, a, a lot of loss for that fan base. So my condolences to them and to the Potvin family. When we come back, time to talk college basketball. So there's some breaking news on the women's side as far as coaching is concerned. And I had a couple couple rants about coaching in general. So and you know, I, I don't I don't rant very much, guys, but in in the words of Frank Costanza, I've got a lot of problems with you people and you're going to hear about it after the break. All right, everybody, welcome back. Let's talk about the NCAA tournament. On the men's side, the Sweet 16 is set for both the the entire bracket. So let's look at the Thursday schedule. Thursday, so we got games from the West region and the South region. So Thursday night, first game, number four seed Arkansas takes on one seed Gonzaga, the number one overall seed in the tournament. That game, 7.09 p.m. tip-off on CBS from the Chase Center in San Francisco. 7.29 7.29 p.m. on TBS, number 11 seed Michigan takes on two-seed Villanova from South Region Action, San Antonio at the AT&T Center. Then 9.39, West Region Action, CBS, number three Texas Tech versus number two Duke. So Duke had to scrap and claw their way back into a win against Michigan State. So I believe that was Coach K's 12, 1200th win 
Um, I believe he is, I forget, he, he has a winning record against Tom Izzo in the NCAA tournament, but Michigan State had them on the ropes, and Mich- and Duke came fighting back, and um, in postgame, you know, Coach K was very emotional about that game. He, he, he looked back behind him, he saw his wife, his family, his grandkids, and they were all in tears when that game was over, but he really uh, took a moment to, you know, that emotion came out, and he said, you know, I love my guys, they fought. And we're on to the next one. So um, so Duke lives to see another day. I think they're going to get a battle from Texas Tech. I picked this matchup. I you know I had this matchup on my bracket. I got Texas Tech winning this one. Um, they, Texas Tech, to me, Texas Tech has been very tough all season. And they had, and if I recall, one show a few shows ago, I talked about a matchup they had against Baylor. So Texas Tech and Baylor, you know, both in the Big 12, they've been going at each other all season. But I believe in that particular game, uh, Texas Tech was down at the half. And <laughs> Mark Adams said some non-TV words to his guys and got them fired up. And they went out and finished the deal. I'm not saying it's going to take some non-TV words to get these guys fired up. I think they're going to be fired up. They got Duke coming in. They know how important it is for them to win. You know, they got to focus on what they want to do. I mean, the Duke guys, they know how important it is for them to continue to win because once it's over, it's over. So expect a dogfight, at least in my opinion, expect a dogfight in this matchup. I think Texas Tech is not going to be an easy out. The last game on Thursday night, 959 on TBS from the South Region, number five, Houston takes on one seed, Arizona. Um, on Friday night, we got action from the East and Midwest regions. 7.09 p.m. CBS from the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia. Number 15, 15 C St. Peter's versus number three, Purdue. Shaheen Holloway, what a job he's doing. And one of the best comments, I press conferences, I've watched, been watching a lot of press conferences, but one of the best press conference uh, uh, questions I, uh, comments I saw was they kind of asked Shaheen Holloway about, uh, I forget, the, essentially the question was, you know, how did the guys feel? Did they, I guess more so, did they feel intimidated, whatever, whatever. And he's like, dude, I got guys from Jersey and New York. You think they're scared of anything? And I was like, that is the best answer I have ever heard, yes. So um, St. Peter's, um, and I, I caught a little bit of uh, Packer and Durham this morning, and Mark Packer said something to the fact that that he's like, man, I don't see a 15 seed in the final four. It ain't going to happen. And I'm going, ooh, bro. And he goes, yeah, I know I'm going to get hate mail from Jersey. I'm like, look, he's going to get hate mail regardless. But if St. Peter's makes this happen, oh, Jersey's going to get you, bro. <laughs> Me, hey, I'm all for it. If St. Peter's makes it happen, I'm all for it. Look, man, I got people in Jersey. I don't want no, I don't want no trouble. <laughs> I'm gonna keep it real with you. Shout out to Jersey. I got I got people in Jersey. I don't want no trouble. But anyway, um, Midwest Region first game, 7:29 p.m. TBS from the United Center, Chicago. Number four seed. I'm sorry, number four. God, sometimes sometimes my writing comes out a little weird. Number four seed Providence versus number one seed Kansas. Then 9:39 CBS East Region. Number eight UNC. Versus number four, UCLA. This is their first meeting in the tournament since, I believe, 89. So two Blue Bloods going at it. They haven't uh, matched up in a while. This is going to be an interesting one. And then the last game on Friday night, 959 TBS, Midwest Midwest region. 
number 11, Iowa State versus number 10, Miami. So let's look at this. We have remaining outside of the single digit seeds. We've got one 10 seed, two 11 seeds and one 15 seed in the sweet 16. So this is going to be very interesting as how these games are going to go, because St. Peter's has been pushing, man. And against Purdue, again, they're again, they're going to bring the house against Purdue because let's see, St. Let's say St. Peter's wins. They're going to get the winner, Carolina, UCLA. So, again, they got to really bring it again to Shaheen Holloway's uh, comment. New York, New Jersey guys, they're going to do their thing. They ain't scared of nothing. So they're going to strap it up and and keep it pushing, man. So uh, shout out to uh, St. Peter's, the Peacocks um, in their uh, in their journey here through the tournament. So as we look at the conference breakdown, in Sweet 16, ACC. Big 12 have three teams remaining. The Big 10, Big East, and Pac-12 have two. And then everybody else, Metro Atlantic, SEC, West Coast, and American Athletic have one team each. So, again, the ACC and the Big 12 are currently uh, showing out as far as the teams that are remaining on the men's side. On the ladies' side, so (laughs) uh, still some games to be played. Let's look at today's action, and then we'll kind of – Put all the puzzle pieces together. Today's action from the Bridgeport region. So we got four games from the Bridgeport region tonight. Um, Kansas State. So here's that Kansas State NC State matchup. So number four seed Kansas State versus number one NC State, 4 p.m. ESPN. Uh, 6 p.m. ESPN 2, number five Notre Dame versus number four Oklahoma. The 8 p.m. game, number 11, Princeton. The Princeton Tigers versus number three Indiana, 8 p.m. ESPN. Use a Carla Barubi's team. Uh, the Princeton Tigers looking to uh, keep pushing on through the um, through the tournament. And then the nightcap from the Bridgeport region, um, number seven, UCF, Central Florida versus number two, UConn, 9 p.m. ESPN. Now, remember, UCF used to play UConn regularly, so they know them as an opponent. Remember, UConn used to be in the American Athletic Conference. So this is going to be an interesting matchup. So can UCF, and UCF brings it. They they play they're very fast they're very physical can they get this done so again they gotta really bring the house if they're gonna take down UConn in the Wichita region 6 p.m. ESPNU number 11 Villanova versus number three Michigan and number 12 Belmont Belmont takes down Oregon uh in the first round and now they get number four Tennessee on their home court 7 p.m. ESPN in the Spokane region, one game, number six, Ohio State versus number three, LSU, 8 p.m. at ESPN2. How about that LSU-Jackson State game uh, on, I believe, Saturday? I told you all that that was going to be an epic game. I mean, Jackson State, um, shout out to their coach, uh, was it Tamika Reed? Um, her press conference, uh, Some of the, she just said some just amazing things. But one of the things that I want to point out, um, she's first of all, she's an excellent coach. Secondly, uh, they asked Kim Mulkey what she said to her post game, and one of the things that stuck out to me, and she's and she's absolutely right. She goes, "Jackson State better pay you because you're not going to be a Jackson State long." She is a brilliant coach, Tamika Reed, brilliant coach, excellent coach, and I, I want to give her a shout out because again, and. The, the things that she's doing at Jackson State, I mean, she's got such she had such a good team this year, and they can get just that much better. I think they will be a tremendous team under her leadership. 
I know already with the season ending, they're already thinking about next season, how these players are going to get better, um, who they can bring in transfer portal. I mean, the whole world, I mean, the whole world got to see this team and I think they are just going to be a force moving forward. Um, Lastly, in the Greensboro region, so this is the late game. This is the late, late game. <laughs> so we can kind of sort of call it Pac-12 out the dark, if you will. Number five, UNC at number four, Arizona. So as you know, Arizona, the highest seed, they're hosting. So you know Mikhail's going to be packed. This is going to be a good one as well. So Arizona's got to bring the house defensively because UNC, they can score. So if Arizona can clamp down UNC and then Arizona's got to make shots. I've been saying this. If they continue to make shots, they keep getting on teams defensively, and they've got to limit their fouls. They've got to keep key personnel in the game, like Lauren Ware and the like. They can win this game, but the winner of this game gets who? South Carolina. And so far, it's kind of been a walking apart for South Carolina. They've just been uh, just having a, a, a somewhat, uh, if you will, easy time. Uh, if you will. So it was, I mean, the Howard game again, I got to give a shout out to Howard. Uh, they are going to be so much better as well. Um, uh, head coach Ty Grace, um, again, just phenomenal work. Um, they've got a very young team, so they're going to get better. They've got people coming in. I'm sure they'll use utilize the transfer portal. You're going to see Howard again as well. So again, the HBCUs on the lady side, they have just been doing great things they've been showing out just in such a wonderful way and i'm excited to see what these what these programs are going to be doing as they move forward uh into next season um so the winner of that game arizona unc gets uh south carolina so that'll be on friday night so let's look at the friday games for the ladies already um maryland stanford uh, in Spokane will be the first game. So the game times have not been set yet. Texas is awaiting the winner of Ohio State and LSU. In the Greensboro, the other game in the Greensboro region, Creighton. Creighton upsets Iowa. So Creighton, again, gets another Iowa team. Creighton goes against number three seed Iowa State. So those two teams, uh, those, well, South Carolina awaits UNC, Arizona. So the winners of those games will be in the Elite Eight. Um, right now, um, and then Saturday, the Bridgeport game. So the games I mentioned for Bridgeport will, those matchups will be set by tomorrow. And then of course, uh, South Dakota, another team that's running through, they upset Baylor. They'll be meeting the winner of Villanova in Michigan. So again, uh, lots happening, but this, these tournaments have been great. These games have been great. We've been seeing a lot of upsets. A lot of double digit seeds are just showing out. And this is why we call it March Madness, but you love to see it. I mean, you love to see the little guy who, you know, someone say, oh, it's a 10 seed. I mean, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't have them moving forward in my bracket. I don't, I don't think a lot of people did. I'm sure somebody knew they had the info, the intel on, on uh, South Dakota. So please share, <laughs> share the intel. But nevertheless, um, I'm, I'm glad to see it. And congratulations to them. And they've got you know, to uh, got work to do, but we'll see how it all pans out uh, at the end of this week. Let's talk coaches, coaching updates, Florida. So Florida fills their head coaching position with Todd Golden. So he was uh, at the time, the head coach of San Francisco, they were eliminated from the tournament. 
Uh, wait, they were eliminated from the NIT. Oh, yeah, I'm getting all my. Yeah, I've got. I'm tracking like five. Yeah, they were eliminated by Murray State. Yeah, they were eliminated. No, they beat Murray State. Sorry. Anyway, they beat Murray State. They were eliminated. So uh, Todd Golden's moving on to Florida. Uh, hmm. Florida Gulf Coast. They hired former Penn State coach Pat Chambers. If you remember, this is probably about a year ago. Pat Chambers was let go at Penn State due to uh, some, you know, some some verbal type of issues. Uh, not verbal issues, but uh, verbal uh, altercations, verbal abuse of players. Um, some, you know, some things were said that were. <sighs> unnecessary so nevertheless he's getting a second chance at florida gulf coast kansas state as we thought jerome tang was the big name that i told you guys about he's going to kansas state so he's currently uh, uh so baylor got eliminated so he's on his way to kansas state so essentially uh this is a situation where um he's in the conference so he knows the big 12 so that's a perfect hire for kansas state uh, Louisville hires Kenny Payne, so he's an assistant with the Knicks. Mississippi State hires Chris Jans, who's the head coach of New Mexico State. So they had they upset UConn, and then they were eliminated. Missouri hires Cleveland uh, Cleveland State's head coach Dennis Gates. So um, the only job I think that's open in SEC is South Carolina. So they just recently, as we talked about last week, they let um, Frank Martin go, and Frank Martin was actually on the one of the NCAA. Uh, a broadcast in the studio you know you know frank martin he look i think i may have said this on the show before but first of all he he's he's a very good coach he's very knowledgeable um you know it was good to see him on the on the screen now i think i've said you know now frank martin's a little intimidating i mean he that's <laughs> it i think one time i was like look man i i don't make a man and i i, I wouldn't want to be, be in a dark alley with him but good coach hope he gets another opportunity really soon um, and speaking of opportunities, Xavier, we talked about this last week, Sean Miller. Sean Miller is heading to Xavier to be their new head coach. And I told you that kind of talking about the Will Wade situation. I said, you know, Will Wade right now, he's got that. He's got that mark. So it's not going to be long. Someone's going to give him another chance. It's not going to be this year, but we might give it a year, maybe two. But Will Wade is going to be coaching again. Sean Miller, well, he's been out of basketball about a year. And here he is. He's going to be the new head coach at Xavier. So it's going to be very interesting. So so let's go into rant one of two. <laughs> so here we go. So Seton Hall was eliminated. Kevin Willard was asked about, you know, okay, there's talk that you're connected with the Maryland job. So in so many words, Kevin Willer basically said, look, I got an agent. My agent gets calls from people. I got to call him and say, hey, who's who's calling me? Who's interested? Blah, blah, blah. So Seton Hall's eliminated. And I think to that comment he made, he said, if I leave, I would like it very much if Shaheen Holloway, who's at St. Peter's, could succeed me. Shaheen Holloway is a Seton Hall guy. That's perfect. Okay, so let's put a pin in that. So now, Kevin Willard, the sources are saying that he's negotiating with Maryland to become their new head coach. So Kevin Willard, so Seton Hall was eliminated, I think, Friday. So Saturday, Kevin Willard was trending on Twitter. And, of course, there's that long you know, thread. And the Maryland fans are up in arms. 
oh, here we go. We're going to get Kevin Willard. Oh, it's just going to be more, you know, more, you know, inconsistency. You know, we're going to be terrible still. So I'm going, okay, let's think about this, guys. You're thinking about one game. You're thinking about the fact that here's a guy who coaches. He can't get past the first round of the NCAAs. Okay, let's look at this objectively. Kevin Willard, if I remember the, I think I saw the stat. He has had six twenty-win seasons. That's, I mean, that's all. That's all I got. So he loses the NCAA game in the first round. He, okay, so plenty of coaches out there who are successful can't get past first round. Once they get past first round, they might go to the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. All right, fine. He's never been that far. But would you like a guy who's I mean, it's kind of hard to get somebody who's terrible at winning games, but yet can get uh, who can get to the elite eight. So if it were the opposite, would you want somebody who can get to the elite eight every year, but has a terrible record? That doesn't really those two things don't really go together. So you got to have to forgive one thing for the other. The big stat here is he's had six twenty one seasons. So how do you figure that he's going to be a terrible fit for Maryland. Now, I will say this. In thinking about it, there's going to be that that incongruency of the idea that he's, uh, I forget, I, I ran down his resume today. I can't remember all the places he's been a coach at, but he's been at Seton Hall. Um, I think he used to be a Louisville assistant, but okay. If he doesn't have any Big Ten experience, that's one thing. But here's what you got. If he rolls in, he begins to make relationships, create relationships in the DMV. Because this is kind of the issue that Maryland, and not just Maryland, Maryland, uh, let's think about USC and UCLA. Let's just think about those schools. You are literally in areas that are basketball fertile. So even in football, let's go to USC, USC, UCLA. You've got talent right there in your city. So let's look at Maryland. You've got football and basketball. We'll go to basketball. You've got basketball talent right here in the DMV. Keep them home. So how you do that? You've got to go out and build relationships with coaches. You've got to say, hey, I'm here. You know, see your kids. you got some good kids here. Hey, let's, let's have a conversation. Let's get them to Maryland. And then, of course, you use the recruiting resources that you already have, the links you already have to bring in players. I mean, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying the relationships can be made. So all I'm saying is this. Here, here's 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 my request. I got a request. So Maryland fans, got a request. Don't suspend reality. If, if you don't like Kevin Willard, if you think the idea of Kevin Willard is terrible, then tell me who you think would be would be a better candidate. So, as I said, don't suspend reality. Don't be like, well, let's go out and, and buy out the contract. Uh, I'm just going to name a couple. Bill Self. Come on, guys. Number one, saying that sounds ridiculous. Number two, again, think about be realistic. Who do you real, realistically think would be a better choice than Kevin Willard? That's what I want to know. Because I don't know. There are other people out there. I mean, for a while, Mike Bray's name came up. I'm going, okay. Mike Bray is a DC guy, but you know the rumor was he was going to retire. Notre Dame—I don't know about all that, but again, whatever. But if not Kevin Willard, then who? That's my question. So that wasn't as ranty as I thought it was going to be, but I don't know. I just really feel like 
I don't know. It could be worse. That's my thing. That, that's the problem I have. It's like, I'm going to say this for two fan bases. <laughs> I'm going to get on my fan base in a moment, but Maryland fans are never happy. That's just almost I'm going to end it there. But if you're a Maryland fan and you don't think Kevin Willard's a good idea, then tell me who you think realistically who you think's a better idea than Kevin Willard. That that's that's my that's my charge and my challenge and my question to you today. All right, let's go to the ladies' side. So, um, Oklahoma State hires J.C. Hoyt. So she's the head coach at Kansas City. She went eighty-one sixty-five in five years. Um, so UVA. So we'll go to UVA. UVA. Um, so before I get to the actual breaking news on that. Um, well, let's forget that. Anyway, breaking news. UVA hires uh, Amakwa uh, Ugua uh, Hamilton. So former, she was the coach at Missouri State. She is now the new head coach at Virginia. She has been there for three seasons. So if you recall listening back a number of shows ago, I presented a list to you guys of possible replacements at Virginia. And I had Coach Mox, as she's called, third on my list because i said let's look at the alums first so i i've been talking about tammy reese over the weekend they lost rhode island lost their nit game in the press conference she was asked about it and she said a 99 i'm gonna be back at rhode island told uva no okay cool tammy reese cross her out um i mentioned tarnia cardoza after thinking about it she's been there at temple 14 years she ain't going nowhere i'm pretty sure so uva fans the the, the the Debbie Ryan link is dead. Let, let's just let's just all acknowledge that, okay? So, um, Coach Mox. So she went 75, 75, 74 and fifteen, uh, forty six and six in the Missouri Valley Conference. Won two regular season titles. They've been in the last two NCAA tournaments. They went to the Sweet Sixteen in 2020, 2021. Um, In her first year, they went twenty six and four, but again, no postseason because of COVID. Um, Coach Mox is also the two-time MVC Coach of the Year. She won the Maggie Dixon Rookie Coach of the Year Award in 2020, and she is currently one of 10 finalists for the WBCA National Coach of the Year. She became the fourth head coach in Division I history to reach 60 victories in less than 70 games to begin her career Division I level. So as I mentioned, she has ties to the Commonwealth. She's born in Herndon. She played at Hofstra. I believe she played for Felicia Leggett Jack. I'll talk about her in a second. Um, she was an assistant at VCU and Old Dominion. She knows the Commonwealth. So by knowing the Commonwealth, she knows kind of the ACC footprint as well. So again, this is a fantastic hire, but here's what I'm going to say. So I'm going to get on my fan base real quick. And I, and I tweeted this and this is a great, first of all, this is a great hire, outstanding hire. She was on my list. She's great hire, but guarantee you 40% of this fan of, of my fan base is going to hate this, this hire. I don't know why. I think 40% of y'all going to have something to say. So here's what I say to you. Focus on the big things because with the previous coaching staff, y'all focus on the wrong stuff. Over the weekend, I realized why I hate reading fan boards because some of y'all live in a basement and write some of the dumbest stuff I've ever read or you're just writing all these conspiracy theories. Shut up and live in reality. We got a new coach. New day, let's get it cracking. Wow, that wasn't as ranty as I thought it would be either. I thought I had more, but I'm just going to leave it at that. But I am excited to hear the presser whenever that's going to be. So I'm hoping that's going to be uh, soon. But um, congratulations to Coach Mox. Welcome to Charlottesville. 
and we'll be excited to uh, see what's in store uh, for the UVA women's program. Um, one other thing, uh, I mentioned uh, Buffalo's uh, Felicia Leggett Jack. So she was asked about her possible link to the Syracuse job. She said, in so many words, I'm the coach at Buffalo. Now, in comparison to what Tammy Reese said about the Virginia job, Coach Jack didn't necessarily say it's not going to happen. But she, she, so the door's still open. So we, we'll see. She did say that, you know, she attended Syracuse. She said it's her dream job. But she also did say that we haven't accomplished anything. We haven't won a championship yet. So much like Tammy Reese said at Rhode Island, Tammy Reese said, we've got unfinished business. She's ready to build that program. And I'm happy for her. She said her AD, your Bjorn, really supports her, looks out for her. And hey, that's beautiful. So with Coach Jack, we'll see. I mean, um, what I am seeing is a really huge commitment by these coaches to these programs, and you got to love it. I mean, if she were to leave, hey, cool, whatever. If she stays, she. all I know is this. Felicia Leggett Jack is a very good coach. I think she's highly underrated. And with the work she's done, this team, this Buffalo team, they've gotten so much better, and there's more to come. So keep your eye out for Buffalo women's basketball as well. I believe that is everything I had. I mean, if if the women's NCAA stuff was a little more, excuse me, complete, we got to talk about that a little bit more. But we'll kind of get to more of that hopefully midweek. We'll kind of run through all the pieces, and then by Friday we'll kind of be able to go through the Thursday action on the men's side, look at the men's action on Friday, and then start preparing for the weekend again. So. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you listening and tuning in. Uh, thank you for the likes, the the listens, uh, the support. Um, hit me up on Instagram, Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Until I see you again, hopefully midweek. We'll see how it goes. Uh, remember, continue to social distance, mask up, protect yourself, and always remember to drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.